This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, December 18th. Corey, we got a lot to catch up on, but first we got some stuff to preview today, including a game over in Staples. Yeah, that's exactly right. The Staples Motley Cardinals boys basketball team hosts the Bram Bombers tonight. So I'll head over to Staples for that boys basketball game. The Cardinals 1-3 and three overall on the season. They opened up their year with a victory over Wadena Deer Creek, but now have lost three straight to Osakis. Uppsala and West Central area so they'll take on Bram this evening the Bram Bombers come into tonight's contest at three and two overall they had three straight wins to start the year over McGregor Malax and Rush City but now have lost two straight to East Central and Cromwell Wright so a couple of losing streaks coming into tonight's game one of them is going to come to a close it's a 7:15 pregame with a 7.30 tip time on AM 1430 and 98.5 FM, The Fan. Yeah, we got a doubleheader of boys and girls action over on the Superstation, K106, 105.9 FM. You can also listen live on WadenaRadio.com or the Superstation K106 app. A boys and girls doubleheader in Section 6A. It is going to be Parker's Prairie at New York Mills. First off for the girls game, which is a 545 pregame and a 6 o'clock tip-off. The boys game will follow on our broadcast. The girls for New York Mills are 1-5, 0-2 in Section 6A, 0-1 in the Park Region Conference, 0-1 on the road, and 1-4 at home. Uh, they started off the year 0-3, got a win against Sabika, and then have lost a couple to Wadena Deer Creek and Managa before they get ready to play Parker's Prairie tonight. For the Panthers, they're also 1-5. They're 0-4 in Section 6A, 0-2 in the Little 8 Conference, 0-5 on the road, 1-0 at home. They got their first win of the year against Bertha Hewitt and then uh, have had a little skid here that they're hoping to turn around against the Eagles tonight. Should be a good one in there. And then sliding over to the boys, the New York Mills Eagles boys basketball team is 0-5 right now, 0-3 in the Park Region Conference, 0-2 on the road, 0-3 at home. But uh, again, have a chance here for that first win of the season. They've had some matchups against some good teams. You, know, you have uh, teams like Manoma and Wabin slipped in there, Browerville Legal Valley. There are uh, some tough matchups. We'll see how uh, that works out here tonight in that Section 6A matchup against the Parker's Prairie Boys team, who's 3-2 and two to start the year. They're 1-1 one one in Section 6A, 1-1 one one in the Little 8 Conference, 2-0 on the road, 1-2 at home. They're going to put that perfect road record to the test against the Eagles tonight. Uh, so far for the Panthers, they have wins against Verndale, Swanville, and Battle Lake. Their losses have been to Sabika and Brandon Evansville. So we have that action again over on the Superstation tonight, Corey. A lot of basketball, uh, but you know it's Christmas break, so teams are kind of winding down towards the end of the week, and uh, everything kind of gets front-loaded a little bit. Yeah, it's gut punch time uh, getting to that portion. We, we still usually, uh, when it comes to high school basketball, and I would imagine some of the other sports, uh, get to Christmas, figure out who you are, what you got, what you're, just what the world is going to look like because coming out of that Christmas break, come, come the new year, come 2024, we need to be full steam ahead. But we're, we're at that time now where, like, those those – Finishing touches are starting to be put on the uh, 
uh, on the schedule and or, or on the you know on the roster and and um, these games are starting to be fun now, right? You're hoping yeah. to see a, a few a fewer mistakes um, physically. Um, obviously, if you were mental mistakes, <laughs> you hope anyway that those are a part of it. And that's just, I mean, that's always going to be a part of the game. It's never going to be perfect. But, but you know, it's, it's getting to that time of year where everyone's hoping to to turn that corner full steam ahead. And, and you start ironing those wrink, last wrinkles out this week. Right, exactly. Speaking of uh, wrinkles to iron out, the Vikings, it appears, will never... Uh, iron out the whole turning the ball over thing. Uh, Corey, would you believe me if I said the Vikings lost the game this season because they turned the ball over at some crucial moments? Is that the seventh time that's happened this year? Yeah, I think all seven of their losses can be traced back to them woefully losing the turnover differential. Yeah, and I mean not not ideal. There's there's a lot of things I I think about this game. Oh, by the way, they lose to Cincinnati twenty seven to twenty four in overtime. Um, yeah, Jake Browning revenge game. Did you see him after the game? He's like, they shouldn't have cut me. And I'm like, brother, you lost a quarterback competition to Sean Mannion. Yeah, I, whatever, whatever. I I have I have too many things about the Vikings to be concerned about what Jake <laughs> Browning ever has to say. Um, they're. They're on their fourth quarterback. Yeah. Eh. The Vikings season came to an end eh. when Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. It's it's not perfect. There was a little magic dust sprinkled on it uh, uh, with the Dobbs thing for about six quarters. That was really fun. Um, not ideal. I do have, though, a, a question about the Vikings game. Yes. Because... There was some controversy that that threw Vikings fandom into a little bit of a a, a, a little bit of a, a firestorm at the end of the game. Fire KOC was trending on Twitter after well, that one. And I, whatever, if we want to take it to that point, I guess we we certainly can. If that's where you want to go with it, but what did you think about the the two quarterback sneaks in a row? Here's the thing: uh, there's the case we made that you shouldn't have did it. My case is like, I don't know, it's like fourth and inches. Can we, or third and inches and then fourth and inches, can we not just fall forward on one play? Uh, I think that's one where I judge it on process over outcome. And in football, it's hard to have that approach, but I don't hate the calls. Now, there's the controversy of like Flores telling KOC to call a timeout and, you know, whatever. And, and I didn't, I was listening on the radio. I was hearing Paul Allen's call, so I didn't see anything on the TV, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't hate it. I get it. You know, obviously I wish they would have worked and you can second guess it all you want. It's like running it three times in a row at the goal line. You can get frustrated that your coach ran it three times in a row at the goal line, or you can say, how can we not get a yard and get into the end zone? So that's kind of where I sit on it, but I know you have some thoughts on it. So no, I don't, uh, not thoughts. I have, I have more questions. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and, the, and some of these are, are like very earnest questions and, and, I asked them to work around, I think, to my final point, which is they they put this line on the on the TV screen, mm-hmm. right? Like there's the the yellow line for first downs. They also put this this red line out at end of games, end of halves, and they call it like the field goal line or yeah. whatever. Right? If you can get here, you can kick a field goal. They were, I believe three yards shy of that field goal line. Sure. After the first quarterback sneak. 
how do they determine what is the field goal line? And how much leeway are they? Do they give on those? Like, I if, think they, they, if they judge put it by the line, if they put the line at X yard line, does that mean a field goal from there is going to eke over the goalpost by the width of a, by the length of a football, or does that mean this is where this person feels comfortable with kicking it from? So, I it depends on what broadcast I think, but generally, I think they find the team's kicker. They find their career long, and then they kind of say, "Hey, he can. He's proven he can make it from this point." So I think that's how they do it. Okay, so here's my next question then, which, which is a, a, a fair point, and I, I I wasn't sure of that. I actually really wanted to know the answer. You just had a third and inches, and you couldn't complete the first down. You're a mere three yards from the uh, from that field goal line. Why are you not kicking a field goal there in overtime? You're already just barely over midfield anyway. Like, if you're not going to – you're either not going to pick up the first down. (laughs) Two of the three – there's three options. You pick up the first down. You don't pick up the first down and give them great field position. Or you kick a field goal and win. And then the fourth option is or you kick a field goal and give them great field – like, why, why is no one talking about them kicking a field goal in that spot? And why didn't they kick the field goal in that spot? Well, I think probably is because if they miss that field goal, then everybody goes, why didn't you just QB sneak it? It was right there on a fourth inch. So I think it's I think it's one of those things where the outcome was bad, and so it's really easy to and, and not wrong to second guess some of that stuff. But I think, you know, whenever something doesn't go right, it's always easy to just think okay. of the alternative. And and that's fair. I would like to say and I have no evidence of this, but I was screaming at the TV to kick the field goal. Yeah. Before, like after the third down, I was like, "Gosh, dang it!" Well, he should have enough. If if it's just three yards, they don't they don't gauge that to eke it over. It's overtime. Just and, kid, just try the field goal. And I wonder if there's a little bit of gamesmanship of like, yeah, but if we get the first down, then we can kill a couple more minutes off the clock. And I know it's overtime, and the clock doesn't really matter. But also, you don't want, you like you want to make them panic a little bit for the Bengals because a a field goal, the Vikings. Would have, a field goal would have won him the game, right? Because they were the. It f- was overtime. It was yeah, o- it would have won him the game. Well, did the Cincinnati have the ball first? Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it would have won him the game. Then I guess it pretty much just was, you know, if you if you miss it, you're gonna. It, it's a lose lose situation. You mean if if you miss it, you're gonna give them good field position, unlike get it, not getting it on fourth and inches. Yeah, but I think it's just more the probability of it. Is it easier to fall forward and get a few inches, or is it easier to kick? Have Greg Joseph kick a career-long field goal? I, would I be agree the, with you. It'd be the math in the situation. I agree with saying. that question, ex- with the one exception to this of they just tried it and couldn't get it. Right. Like you're too. If they would have decided, you know what, let's just win it right now. We're close enough. That would have been a crazy decision. But they just tried, and they had four inches to go, and. Then they had nine inches right after that play. You just proved you couldn't do it. So the logic makes sense that can't we just fall ahead by a, the length of a football and get it? Yeah, of course, except for the part where you just tried and didn't. You're this, just kick the field goal. I don't know. I that th- was the thing that I, I I understand there's 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 more to it than this. I was really surprised they'd 
everyone's mad about the second sneak try, and like you could have run anything. I just don't understand why they didn't kick it. Right, and if people remember, the Vikings had an inch, a fourth and inches call earlier in the game, and they lined up like they wanted to do a QB sneak. They did a hard play action bootleg rollout to Ty Chandler that got him like seven yards. And so people were like, why couldn't you do something creative? You know, like a like that. It's like they already did it. So the Bengals already know they the Vikings have it in their back pocket. Uh, I think you could criticize the design where Brandon Powell, a uh, smaller wide receiver, is trying to push Nick Mullins forward. Like, why do you not have T.J. Hawkinson? You know, put two hands on his buttocks and and shove. Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever. I think at the end of the day, and we can and we can talk about that fourth down all we want. The Vikings turn the ball over twice in the red zone early yes. in the game, and they win the game. And that's so, but when you lose like that, everything just kind of falls apart. Well, and, and there's some there's some other parts to this too, and I, and I think that's 100 percent a fair criticism of uh, if you don't turn the ball over twice in the red zone, you're not even in this situation in the first place. Right. That is a a very fair point. This is this the the counter to that is though. You did turn the ball over in the red zone twice, which means you were just because that happened doesn't negate the existence of the current right. situation you're in. No, it just compounds it. It just compounds. It's just another. It's just another thing. It so, means you have to play perfect. It means you can't afford to screw up on a play call. It means you can't afford correct. to screw up on some of that stuff because you've. It's like we talked about with wins and losses when the Vikings started zero and three. They removed almost any margin for error they had because if they just yes. win a couple games earlier in the season, they can limp into the playoffs. But now it's going to be a dogfight because they have the Lions on Sunday. Green Bay the next week, and the Lions again the week after. All three of those games are going to have playoff positioning and playoff hopes on yes. the line. So, and it's a good it's a good way to defer blame uh, um, or deflect blame, and and it happens all the time. And by the way, sometimes it's important to be able to do that. Right, you need to be able to say at the end of a really tough game. Uh, that you lost to you don't want to just pin it on one person or one thing. This is a team game. We had plenty of opportunities elsewhere. Right. All of all of that's fair and legit. But the part that happens is you it's totally dismissive then of the exact scenario you were in. Right. Don't turn the ball over in the red zone. Don't take away at least six points from your team because of it. All fair and good. You know what also? You just try to QB sneak. Um, what are we doing here? Like the, you have to, you have to find something that that well, you can and execute the, a little better. And the other nitpick is the Vikings have not figured out how to play with the leads over the last month. It's been really, really bad when they've had very stagnant in the second half. Very the KOCs again. There's a fair criticism of there of KOC. Yeah, totally. In in like calling plays with the lead and figuring out how to attack without getting too soft on on the gas pedal and and it's a fine line and we'll But just... also he's on his fourth quarterback. Right. So like there's there there is I there's no fair way to have a conversation about any of this and you can't talk about one thing without talking about two there... or three or four other things that are absolute you kind of have to maybe take your foot off the brake when Nick Mullins is your or off the gas pedal and could throw a pick when... six at any moment. You're right. just kind of in a in a really tough spot. It's Anyway, everyone else keeps losing though, so just go three and zero the rest of the way, and you're in. <laughs> <laughs> or go zero and three, and they still might get in. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this has been the morning sports desk for Monday, December eighteenth.